We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the middle of our series, Philippians. A study through this letter and its powerful application to our lives and becoming more like Christ. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. You've been working hard. Pretty much your whole life has been hard. Hasn't gotten easier any day. And it, it, it just got worse and worse when you found out that your husband was leaving you. You didn't understand why. Neither did the neighborhood. And then the rest of your neighbors, they all blamed you. They thought it was your fault. They thought that you were cursed. And you went to the temple every day, hoping that the gods would give you an answer and you wept before them. But even the temple leaders eventually told you, you had to go. So you hid in your town. You survived, but barely. You, you literally didn't know what to do until it became too much and you decided to move on from there, to start fresh, to get something somewhere where not everyone's eyes were on you. So you left. You headed out. With many people spitting, with you, spitting on you on the way, you walked around on roads, sleeping on the side of the road for weeks until in the distance you saw a city. And then the afternoon you finally arrived at this city and you're walking in and you're saying, man, this city's totally different from the little village I grew up in. For one, it's a huge disparity. You see like really poor people on the street, but then really rich homes all around you. It's nuts. And here at first, for the first time in years, you can finally breathe because no one even notices you. And over the next couple years, you start building your life back together. You get a good group of friends. You start a business. You start making clothes and then eventually better clothes and then clothes that only rich people will buy. You know what I'm talking about? And then, then, then you, 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 you buy a home. You become a part of that rich elite there in the city, but still something's empty. You don't know what it is. Something's pulling at you. You, you go over to the local temple thinking that'll fix you, but you go in and you feel this suffocation coming over. You can't, you can't go there. It reminds you too much of your past and you just have to leave. So instead, you continue to feel this ache until one day something momentous happens. Something strange but momentous. You see a group of women walking through the middle of the city praying. You just see the peace on their faces as they walk. And you follow them outside and you see them kneel down next to the river by the side of your city. And they're just praying. And for weeks you follow them and you see. And you don't know why, but something's pulling at your heart. You don't know what it is. Till eventually you go and you sit down and ask if you can join them. And your life is never the same. Good morning, 
We're going to come back to that story in just a minute. And no, you're not on story time with Pastor Galen. You're actually joining New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. And we're so glad you're here. We may be in the midst of a pandemic, but the church is still going strong. We may not be able to currently meet in person, but we are still engaging in community through technology. So if this morning, if you're awake, I want to hear you say, Hey, Pastor G! Thank you. Yes, I could feel that. Like literally as if someone in the room had said it. You know, some of you though are sitting there silent. Okay, I need you. I need you. It wasn't as big as it could be. Come on. Come on. Hey, Pastor G. Hey, Pastor G. There you are, most of you. It's all right. Now by the Spirit, I'm feeling you. You know, I can feel the energy and I know you're there. But I want you to drop an emoji in the line. Let the rest of the church know you're there. Let them be encouraged by you. Let them drop the emoji that describes how you're feeling right now. Some of you, it's like the face palm emoji, you know? Uh, or the emoji with drool coming out. Okay, drop in the line how you're feeling. Let the rest of the church know you're there. All right, who is excited to be here? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are. I wasn't waiting for a response, but thank you. <laughs> he's just active. Give it up for Joe. Joe, if you haven't met Joe yet, he's running our slides this morning, and he's doing an awesome job. Thank you, Joe. But for most of you, besides Joe, because he's up and going, most of you are just waking up, barely dragging your way to the computer because it's the end of our 21-day fast, and you're like, Pastor Gillen, I can't even... Turn on the video, I'm just listening because I can't open my eyes. That's okay, we're at the end. Today we break our fast at 6 p.m., 21 days, and I know God has been speaking to you so much, and you don't want to miss this morning. You don't want to miss a single moment this morning because I believe God has something to speak to you and to me and to our church, and this new series that we're going into is going to be so good for our church. And when I say a new series, I mean a brand new series. I'm talking about a series that is fresh. Can anybody tell say fresh? Oh yeah, there we go. Yes, fresh. Y'all love it when it's fresh, right? When you love something that's fresh. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a six-week series. We're gonna go front to back in the book of Philippians. Yes, yes, yes. And if you don't know what Philippians is, some of you are sitting there and like, what's a Philippian? Uh, it's not a country in Southeast Asia. It's not a dish that you can go buy in the corner. It's actually a part of our Bible. It's called Philippians. And I believe this is exactly what we need to hear right here and right now. So get ready. Let's make sure we pray up on this as we start this series. Let's start by asking God to speak to us that He would be the voice that we can hear, that He would make this fresh for us. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's ask Him to bless and, and help us to hear what He has to say to us today. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much just for Your presence. I feel Your presence here, even as we're talking, as we're looking at Your Scriptures. I pray, God, You would open our hearts to be able to recognize what you have for us today, that we would not miss anything, we would not get distracted. God, draw us closer to you right here and right now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
So as I already said, Philippians is a part of the Bible. It's actually a letter. A letter. It takes place in the front of our Bible. Our Bible's made up of lots of writings. You got poetry, you got like a story, you got laws, you got the songs, and then you have the letters. The letters, right? All of these are words of God. Words of God. Before we take a step into this amazing letter, we need to understand why this letter is here and how. We need to understand the context. You want to know why? Because this will help us understand what all of this means. If we know why it's there to help us understand, it's like, you know, that if we didn't know this, it would be like going and watching your first Marvel movie and it being Ant-Man 2, okay? Like, I'm sure you're going to enjoy that movie and it's probably really funny, but all the Marvel fans are like, no! Like, don't go that far! You know, we're in like the third movement or whatever you call it. Okay, I'm not... I don't know that much about Marvel, but I know the Marvel people do, and right now they're just like turning me off. They will not listen any longer. That's okay. So let's tell you, let me tell you where Philippians starts. It all starts with a guy named Paul. A guy named Paul. Paul, or as many of you know him, the Apostle Paul, you know, on your phone. Like, oh, let me dial up the Apostle Paul. This guy was this crazy Christian. Somebody say crazy Christian. Yeah, say it like this. Crazy Christian. Crazy Christian. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. The kind of crazy that walks around with their headphones on down Clark Street singing at the top of their lungs, right? Brooke was telling me this story the other day about how she was on the train and it got to the stop and the guy saw it was a stop, jumped up, started doing pull-ups on the bar, on the train, and then right before the door closed, ran out. Okay, that's the kind of crazy I'm talking about. And I know you all live in Chicago, so you know what I'm talking about, okay? You all know what's up. Paul was that kind of crazy. He didn't care what people thought about him. He didn't care about the world around him. He cared what God thought. That was his number one priority. And that may sound cliche or obvious. I mean, come on, Pastor G, it's like the Apostle Paul, okay? No. I don't think it hits us. This was an ordinary guy that was devoted, devoted to God. He was devoted to following Jesus. I'm talking about the kind of guy who was sold out, all in. It didn't matter what the political fad that was going around him. It didn't matter what movie was on in the theater. It didn't even matter what iPhone he had. And some of you are like, what? How does it not matter what iPhone you have? Believe me, he was that kind of crazy. This guy was on another level. Can someone say another level? Another level. Another level. Yeah, this guy was on another level, and this was proven by the fact that nothing could hold him down. Nothing. Didn't matter what storms happened in his life. It didn't matter the external circumstances. This guy served God in a radical way. And believe me, people tried to stop him. It says about Paul that he had been almost beaten to death five times. Now, I don't know about you, but that word almost just kind of irks me like, what? Like, who wants to be almost beaten to death and then times that by five? Okay? He had been stoned 
And I'm not talking about the weed kind, okay? I'm talking about the heavy stones that they drop on you until you die. Well, he somehow survived that. He had floated in the open sea for a day and a night. And he had been betrayed by some of the people that he thought was closest to him. This is just a taste of this guy named Paul. Okay, are you getting the crazy feels a little bit? Huh? You feeling like, oh man, like, I thought I knew Paul, but I got to learn a little bit more about him. But I want to tell you to be careful because he's contagious. This morning, this guy's faith isn't for the faint-hearted. This is something that may just grab your heart and cause you to follow in his steps. Ooh! You see, this guy, Paul, had come to Christ and then got this crazy idea, okay? This crazy idea that Jesus was just too good to keep to himself. Like, he actually thought that when Jesus said to go and share this good news with other people, he actually thought, <laughs> he actually thought that Jesus was serious. I know, crazy, right? So Paul started doing something that no one had ever done. I'm talking about ever, never, ever, 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 never, never, ever done before. He started going to cities where people had never heard about Jesus, and he started planting churches there. First one, like breaking the ground, okay? No one had heard of the gospel of Jesus, and he said, he goes there and he tells them about a God who loves them, who had died for them, who wants to have a relationship with them, and all they have to do is repent and believe. This is what Paul starts doing. Paul would work in a city until he got enough believers going, then he'd start this new little baby church, and, you know, all the Christians in there would, you know, like, start trying to reach their neighborhood, and then he'd say, okay, go on, little babies, do your thing, I'm going on to the next city. And they're like, oh, bye. While he goes to the next city, and he starts doing the same thing over. That's Paul. Are y'all following with me? I know that's a lot about Paul. Stick with me, okay? We're, 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 we're going somewhere. Fast forward. We're going to see how this connects to Philippians right now. Our man Paul wakes up from a dead sleep early one morning, and he has had a vision, okay? A vivid dream, one that's still standing in front of his eyes, kind of like that Chick-fil-A meal that's floating in front of your eyes for 21 days. Paul has a vision of a man begging him to come to Macedonia. Macedonia is this big state that was in the Roman area at that time. And this guy's begging him, come over to my, my state, Macedonia, and tell me and my people about God. See, you know, crazy Paul. I mean, he takes things literally, right? Like, while the rest of us, if we got a vision like that, would be like, okay, God, let's pray for them, okay? And then you would never pray because you would forget, right? Paul takes it literally. It says that he immediately sets out for Macedonia. Immediately. He goes. It didn't matter what they were doing. It didn't matter what their plans were. It didn't matter that the people were like, I thought we were going to have brunch today. He's like, bye. And they're all like, oh, bye. Hope you find your dad. Okay. Uh, so where does Paul go? And he goes to this whole big state. He goes to one of the big cities there called Philippi. Can you connect the dots? Guess what Philippians stands for? You know, like a Chicagoan, Philippian, right? Hmm, woo, okay. See, your knowledge is growing. What does Paul do in Philippi? 
what he always does best. He starts messing that city up, okay? He goes in there and he starts evangelizing. He, in the day, the first day he's there starts simple enough. He sees a group of women walking down the street, going out to the river to pray. Paul's like, interesting, let's find out about this. So he walks out there, starts evangelizing, starts telling them about Jesus. And one woman in particular, a woman named Lydia, starts lighting up. And this may sound familiar because, you know, she's pretty wealthy now because she made all these rich clothes for people. She had recently moved to that city from another city. And she's not a Jew, but she's there praying with Jewish women. Yeah. This is the woman from the very beginning, okay? The whole message, like three hours back when we first started this thing, right? The woman's so struck by this gospel message, it's like it enters into the core of her being. Literally, like if you read the account in Acts, it says that her whole heart changed, her whole life. And not only that, not only was the whole that was missing inside of her, like, put back together, and not only does she believe and she gets this awesome relationship with Jesus, it says her whole family believed and were all baptized. It says everyone who was living with her believed and immediately got baptized. That's a powerful start for the first day in Philippi. Would you agree with me? I'm sure Paul was dancing like, oh yeah, Jesus the man, Jesus the man, uh-huh. And this woman, Lydia, is so thankful, she opens up her home and asks all the missionaries to stay there while they continue to reach their city. That's the beginning of the first church. Long story short, Paul turns the city upside down, people get mad at him, they like beat him up, it's probably one of those almost beaten to death times, right? He goes to jail, jailer comes to Christ, amazing testimony there. He comes back out and he's like, okay, little babies, continue on with the church, I'm going on to the next city in Macedonia, okay? That is Philippi. What a crazy story. Am I right? Like, who wishes we could see a Paul here in Rogers Park? Right? Who wishes we could see a Paul here in Chicago? Like, hey, Paul, um, like when you're done over there in Macedonia, can you come over here to Illinois? Because we got some issues, right? This guy's awesome. He goes in, turns things upside down, and leaves a church there to continue on the work. Which brings us to our letter. Philippians. You're wondering when it come in. Here it comes. It's been 20 years since this happened in Philippi. 20 years. And now Paul is sitting in prison, in prison, while he's writing this. He's waiting execution. This time, spoiler alert, doesn't look like he's getting out of it. It looks like the end of his days, and he's reflecting back on all God's done in his life, through his life, the things he's witnessed that's been so amazing. In his final time that he has left, he starts writing letters to all of the churches that he started. All the churches. He writes a letter to one of his favorite churches, the church in Philippi. That's how we get this letter, the letter to the Philippians. Whoo! You never knew that the letter of Philippians had such a cool backstory, right? You're like, let's read this letter! So if you haven't already, I want you to go and turn there in your Bible, okay? You got your phone, tablet, whatever it is, or pick up the dusty old Bible that somebody gave you or you stole from the hotel, whatever it is, and look inside for the book of Philippians. You can even turn the corner there because we're going to be there for like two months, okay? We're going to be focusing in on this book. You're going to see what God had to say to the book. The church of Philippians has so much to do with us here and now in Rogers Park, okay? So as you're turning there, I want to tell you, as I was reading this, I want you to remember who this is coming from. 
right? As we read this first chapter, I want you to remember who this is coming from. This is a letter from a founding pastor to a church that he planted so many years ago. He's not there anymore, but it's so many years ago. This is a letter that's grounded in all the beautiful things that God has done in and through his church in that area. And this is a letter to a church that was founded in a place where it would have seemed impossible to see a church thrive. This is a letter to a church that sounds a lot like our church. Okay, like it's kind of weird, right? Like, wait a second, our founding pastor planted the church here. He's now gone, right, many years ago. Churches continue to grow and reach the neighborhood here. It's beautiful, it's still going. It seemed impossible for a church to thrive here in Chicago. Like literally I talked to a guy just two weeks ago and he said he prayed for 30 years for a church to be planted in Rogers Park. And now it's a Bible-believing church planted here. And now he's seen it with his own eyes when we have multiple churches in the neighborhood, right? Like this, this sounds a little bit like our church. So I was thinking, what would it be like if our founding pastor, Pastor Dwayne, were to have written us this letter? Pastor Dwayne, slave of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all God's holy people at New Life Community Church in Rogers Park, including the elders. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my prayer requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this, will bring much glory and praise to God. <sighs> Is there any better way to hear that this morning? Doesn't it just come alive? Does it feel real? Even though this letter was written by Paul for the church in Philippi, but because God inspired it, God's words breathe in it, God still speaks to it beyond time to us today in God's words. And he's still speaking to us in Rogers Park. So this morning, I want us to take this letter, 
just like our founding pastor has just read for us so beautifully and like made it applicable to us. I want this to be genuinely for us. Can you do that with me? Can you say, this is for us? This is for us. Come on, come on. You got to believe that this is for us. This isn't just for the church in Philippi. God specifically moved in and through Paul. He inspired him. The words are perfect for us today. So as we look at these few verses, verses, I believe, verses, verses, whatever, however you say it, I believe that he will speak to us, okay? So look with me at verse one, which what Pastor Dwayne had read for us. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, that's, that's who's writing this, right? To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound like a nice little introduction? I mean, you think like you know so much more about those people and what this means, right? You would have just scanned through that before. Now you're like, oh, I get it, right? So this is where it gets really good. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, does this not sound like the happiest man ever? You can tell this guy has got some fondness for this church. Like you all just kind of wish your boyfriend or your husband would just text you and be like, I pray for you every day and I thank God for you. And you'd be like, what? Like, is this the same person? What's wrong with you? You're kind of creeping me out, Jared. Paul is overflowing with joy, right? He's overflowing. There's some serious, serious joy. He's not just like exaggerating these. I think Paul was an authentic, real person that was writing these things. And you can tell, despite the fact that he's in prison, about to die, something brings a smile to his face. He thinks about that time in the church of Philippi. Don't you just know that God is looking down on his church and he's smiling. He's seeing the church in Rogers Park and he's smiling. Oh, we're far from perfect, but I think he's smiling. Don't you know that Pastor Dwayne is thinking of this little church in Rogers Park and he's got some joy swirling in his chest. How do I know? I mean, come on. Would Pastor Dwayne have spent all the time to record that video for us? Look at that quality, you know? Or would he have shown up on our Zoom prayer nights or call many of us and pray for us? I mean, all the way down from Miami. I'll give you that money later, Pastor D, okay? No, we didn't pay him, right? His heart is overwhelming with joy. He loves this church. He's got it flowing out of him and we see that look at look at why does he have so much joy why does apostle paul have so much joy look right here in this letter look at this last line that we read because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now (laughs) that's what's giving some sweet sweet joy to Apostle Paul's face, right? That's what's giving some sweet, sweet joy to Pastor Dwayne's face. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, yeah. You see, this joy that's overflowing isn't grounded in fuzzy, like, oh, wonderful feelings, right? He says this started on day one. This started on day one. This started on day one. And what happened on day one? 
Oh, well, Pastor G, I didn't know you'd ask me. Well, well, let's think here. I... Wake up! What happened on day one? Remember? Pastor, Apostle Paul, Pastor Dwayne, he might have showed up there too. No, the Apostle Paul showed up in Philippi and Lydia got saved. That's what happened from the first day till now, right? Her whole family got saved. This is like a powerful moment. And let me tell you something. What happened on our first day in Rogers Park? People got saved. I mean, I, I got a testimony for you at the end of this message. You're not going to miss it. So stick till the end, okay? But pay attention to the word that he uses right here. It says, your partnership. Partnership. Your partnership. So what does it mean to be a partner? Is that when you're like, hey, you go sell all those candy bars on the street and you bring me all the money, okay? We're partners. <laughs> no, that's not a partner. That's like gangster mafia stuff, okay? Is being a partner when you tell your your, your best friend, I'll go and talk to that crazy roommate of yours with you when she's doing all that nutso stuff. And then you're hiding under the bed and you won't answer her calls, right? She has to go along. No, that's not being a partner. That's just talk and no action, okay? What's partnership? Partnership is where you take an equal load, which includes the risks and the rewards. Hear me on this. Partnership is where you take an equal load on your shoulders, which includes the risks and the rewards. So you go out on the street and you work your butt off with that guy to sell all those candy bars, and even after you've only made $3, you split that McDouble at McDonald's and you're a full partner in this. Or you go with your friend to that conversation and you take your head getting blown off by the nutso roommate and the spit flying in your face because you're a partner, right? You see, being partners in the gospel is so much more than naming it and claiming it, okay? Being a partner is when you do it Crazy Paul style. I know, I'm inventing dance terms, you know, like, what if we all was like Crazy Paul style, y'all? Right, we, that would be awesome. Like if we had these memes going on whenever someone got saved, and like Crazy Paul style, y'all. You see, partnering the gospel is when you have bought in all the way, like Paul. Right? You know you're saved and you're going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you want to take as many people with you as you can. That's crazy Paul style. That's partnership. Partnership. You're not waiting on the pastor to do the work. You're a partner, right? You know, that, my friends, is what brings joy to our fathers and our pastor's face. Can I get an amen? amen. So the first thing we see in this letter, joy is Partnering in the gospel. Partnering in the gospel. This morning, I want you to hear this word. Don't tune me out. I know we've been going for a minute. Just stay with me here. Hear me out. Hear me out. Partnering in the gospel is not, is not. Let me call up Pastor Galen real quick and uh, let, let him talk to you. Maybe he can swing by and talk with you about the gospel. But hear me out. Hear me out. Partnering in the gospel is not let me just bring you to church where the pastor can share with you about the gospel. Yeah, let me tell you, don't get me wrong. You don't get me wrong. Bring all your friends to church. I'll preach the gospel every day. Uh, you got to talk to somebody. Call me up. I'd love to share the gospel with them and tell them about Jesus. But that's not being a partner. 
that's not being a partner because you have the ability to share the gospel too. I don't care how introverted, how extroverted, what scale you're on in all the personality quizzes. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you and is able to empower you to share the gospel with someone. You can be a partner in this gospel. God saved you. He put you right where you're at. His spirit is in you. It says he will give you the words to say. How? Even though the Apostle Paul's sitting in jail hundreds of miles away, how can you say, I have joy because you're still sharing the gospel? They're not like, oh, you want to hear about the gospel? You're going to have to take a trip over to Rome. Go into the prison cell block three. You'll hear all about it there. No, these people are partners still sharing the gospel in Philippi. And, and Paul is finding so much joy in that. In this morning, this is what we need to correct. This is what we need to correct. We need to hear this even though it's hard. Even though it's hard to be a partner in the gospel, to be a partner in the gospel, you have to share the gospel. Okay? To be a partner in the gospel, to bring joy to your father's face, you have to share the gospel. Right? Hear me out. This isn't to shame you into it, but to realize the beauty of what being a partner is. You're sitting here waiting for a pastor to come by, and you're a full partner, my friends. You are a partner. You can do this. Everyone say, I'm a full partner. I'm a full partner. Yes, you are. Now, we're going to keep moving or else you're never going to leave this screen today. So let's look at the next verse, verse 6. It says this, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. <laughs> Paul's like, y'all know I'm so joyful, but I'm also very confident. Now, if any of us could pick two things in our lives that we'd like to be like character traits of ours, probably joyful and confident would be a really good choice, okay? I, I, I mean, past, this guy has the confidence that it will be carried on to completion. Confidence is that strong, strong belief where you know you can rely on something or someone, right? Confidence is a strong belief that you can rely on something or someone. Like, I'm confident. I've got complete confidence that you're going to be really hungry right about now. Yeah, I know. That's super mean. I'm sorry. Okay. You know, we've been fasting for 20 ways. Okay, get that off the screen, Joe. They're going to get hate mail. I'm confident of this. Here's another thing I'm confident. I'm confident that my wife is the most beautiful woman on this planet. Love you, boogie boo. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? Okay. That's weird. <laughs> Believe me, when you get confidence in someone, it's a hard thing to come by. Many of you don't feel very confident in your sports teams right now. Hey, I'm not even going to go further with that because I know nothing about sports, okay? I'll let someone else talk about that. Confidence is that feeling of complete trust. And Paul shouts, he shouts, I have confidence in this. That what God started all those years ago, that little town, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. The fact that he planted a church in an area where no one said that it would work, that church is going to continue to completion. The salvations that we've seen through this neighborhood, 
that's going to continue until completion. The people who make up the church are going to be sustained until the end. That's what he's confident of. He's confident of that. How? How can you be confident of that? You're not here. You don't know what's going on. Apostle Paul, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know where we're going to land. We don't know who's going to be there. and We don't know what we're going to do. And how are you so confident? Here's why. You ready for this? You ready for this? Because it all relies on God. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. He's confident because it all relies on God. <laughs> hear this. Hear this. If it relied on you or me, no go. No confidence in you. That's for sure. I mean, I know the last time you tried to finish a book. Okay, like completing something is hard for us and you can't really be very confident in us. But Paul doesn't have confidence in you or me. He can know with confidence God always completes what he starts. God always completes what he starts. There's never been a time where God has forgotten to follow through. There's never been a a time where God has forgotten to complete something. Come on. You got to hear me on this. I mean, even who, I mean, who else do you know like that? Like even the one person you're like, I got the greatest boo-boo. Okay. She would never forget. And then you got that one piece of cake sitting in the fridge. Like, I forgot you wanted that. Okay. That even the most trusted best friend, you're like, Calling, calling, they're not picking up. Their phone's off. You were supposed to get picked up from the train three hours ago. You've got to pay for Uber with the surge pricing. Like, even the most amazing people in your life, they can't fall under the always section, okay? Some of you are like, no, I can. I can, Pastor G. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, you know, you see, that's, that's never God. God always completes. Hear this in the deepest part of your soul this morning. God will complete what he has started in you. I believe someone needs to hear this this morning. I believe there's someone sitting here who felt like it felt like they've been on the struggle bus. 2020 was more than a was more than a mess up. It was like a meltdown. Okay, you thought it would be the highest year of your life. You remember the beginning of shutdown? Everybody's like, "I'm gonna get healthy this year," and you haven't moved from that spot for nine months. You've watched everything on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and some other random TV show place we haven't even heard of. Okay, you have been probably in the, one of the darkest points. You're like, "This is a messed up spot. I don't know if God is gonna be able to complete what He." started here, right? Or in 2020, lots of you said, this is going to be the year where I'm going to say no to porn. Okay. And then it's been struggle, 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 right? Or this is going to be the year where you stop lying. All those little half lies that you justify in your head. Or this was going to be the year where you stopped being discontent. You're like, I'm going to stop looking at news feeds to see what everybody else got. I'm going to stop being jelly of that person's relationship or that person's brand new fill in the blank. Okay, you guys all know what it is or shiny nails, whatever it is that you're obsessed with, right? That was going to be the year. And now you sit in the midst of the shame and this mess and you believe you're, you're struggling to believe that God can complete something, right? It's like hard. You're looking at yourself and you're like, I might be the exception here, right? I can confidently say to you this morning, he does. He does. 
because it doesn't rely on you. That's the beautiful part. It doesn't rely on you. It relies on God and he always completes what he starts. And that's true of you and that's true of our church. And that's true of the work he's doing here and now. God always completes what he starts. So if you have the spirit in you this morning, I want you to just close your eyes, bow your head for a moment. Because I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for whoever's listening to this message. Even this morning or later this week or whenever this is being played, God, I just pray that you would supernaturally supersede time and space and you would minister to the person who's listening right now. Jesus, I pray that you would cause a breakthrough in their life. I pray that you would allow them to put the shame that they've been carrying on your shoulders, Jesus. I pray that they would surrender their life even deeply and maybe again a second time over to you and say, you can have your way with my life, God. I pray that that would happen in this person's life this morning as they're listening. And I'm talking about you. Talking about you. You're listening like me? Yes, you. I'm praying to our Father for you. And I just pray, God, do a marvelous work this morning. May someone be lifted up from the mud this morning and know that our God completes what he starts, that you are not hindered by our sin or our shame, God, but your grace is new every morning. I pray that we would experience that today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. And for all of you who thought we're done, got one more point, okay? Because the pastor prayed doesn't mean the thing's done, okay? I got one more point for you. Don't worry. We're going to go super fast, okay? We're going to go super fast because I don't want you to miss this part. Paul tells us some more stuff about how he loves us in verse 7 or 8. I want you to read that this week. Take a look at it. We don't got time to read it again. Pastor Dwayne read it for us, so don't worry. You got it, okay? But we're going to look at verse 9, his prayer for the church. Look with me. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. After exclaiming how joyful he is at the partnership of the gospel and how confident he is that God will finish what he started, this is how he prays for them. He says, may your love abound so that, so that you may be pure and blameless. Paul connects two things in this prayer that we don't normally. He seems to think that the level, the level, the level of our love somehow affects our holiness. Follow me in this. He prays that their love would abound. What does, that, what does that word sound like? I think a little jumpy dog like that jumps all over the yard, right? Like that's what abound means, right? Like abound means to go above and beyond. A little bit even annoying like it's so much. A large amount. He prays that their love would abound. Look at verse 10. Not the dog anymore. He says, he prays that their love would abound so that... You may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Here's the truth you need to hear this morning. Here's the truth you need to hear. God's passion for your life is to walk in holiness. Holiness means purity, blamelessness. Look, like Jesus, okay? Looking like Jesus 
And we all know this because we feel that regret whenever we don't walk like that. Like the spirit pings us just like a little notification. It's like, but ding, you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, no, right? So what do we do? We try to work up enough oomph to try to overcome it, right? We try to work harder, try to think that we can overcome the sin ourselves and you always fail. I don't think I'm wrong, right? Like I can promise you, you cannot succeed that way. And even if you did, that's not going to be like honoring God in any way because you're still not walking like Jesus because in order to do, to do that, you have to walk through him. Look at the end of the verse. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And that's where the connection comes in. Love and holiness. Love and obedience. There's two ways to try to get rid of sin. One, grit your teeth. Try as hard as you can. You, you know, you'd much rather do the sin, but you know, God's a mean guy. And if you do it, then you get punishment in hell and all that stuff. You don't want that. So you just like kind of force your way through it and it doesn't please God even if you were successful. The second way, fall so in love with God that you don't even desire those things anymore. Fall so in love with God that he's the one you obey instead of your sinful nature. Here's the verse to show you what I mean. Look at 1 John 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands. To keep his commands. When we actually love God passionately and deeply, that automatically flows outwards in Christ-likeness. So here's the last thing that we have to hear this morning. The last thing. In love, we obey. In love, we obey. I believe one of the most powerful things about fasting is it allows us to let go of all that other stuff that's distracting us and holds our hearts. You know what I mean. You know, I can ask you, what's that other stuff? And you'd be like, oh yeah, like that one and that one and that one and that one. Right? You know, in Paul's prayer, in Dwayne's prayer, in my prayer, and hopefully your prayer this morning is that God would increase our love so that we can walk in holiness. So that we can be obedient so that we can look like Jesus. Don't get these mixed up. We switch them around by accident or on purpose or whatever. Obedience follows love. That's why he prays that our love would abound. I want to close this morning in a little different way. A little different way. Usually we put like, you know, have a text in if you want to pray with a pastor or anything like that. Uh, This morning I want to close with a story but not told by me. You know, I thought it'd be so much more powerful for us this morning to see a little piece of this in action. The Philippian church active in Rogers Park. We've been spending the morning talking about how the church was built up by God's grace and Paul's words. I remember the first day when he became partners. And there's a story that happened on the first day back in 2012 when Pastor Dwayne and a team of people came here and started this church and they, they planted outwards. Right? They, they, they looked outwards. They went out evangelizing. They sent postcards all over with the dream of reaching someone. Hi, my name is Teresa Steele. I've been a member of New Life Rogers Park since February of 2012. Um, I was baptized in July of that same year. I came to know Jesus at that time. 
And the reason for me coming to Rogers Park was basically receiving a postcard that was mailed out at that time for um, for opening. And um, I was looking for a church. I was feeling really uh, lost. I didn't have any peace in my heart. Um, I felt certain emptiness. By seeking or going to church, going to Rogers Park, it was an amazing feeling the very first time. Um, I was received like it was my home. I felt that in my heart. I was approached by two members of our church. Pastor Dwayne was preaching and his word was like, it was meant for me. I was sitting in the back and I just kept God's words tugging in my heart. Um, after service, I, memory and, and um, Betty approached me and uh, it was just the beginning of a wonderful relationship not only with Betty and with um, memory, I mean with, um, yeah, I think it was memory, but it was with new life, new life as a family in my life. Um, I found so much peace and not right away, but it took months, you know, for me to feel that. Um, and it's, it was just, uh, it, it was just an amazing feeling. I started feeling like I was fulfilled, like God was talking to me. Um, and I never wanted to miss going to church. Um, I would go every Sunday and then I was uh, told we had uh, Wednesday, we had Bible study and I didn't know too much about the Bible. So it was just the beginning. I mean, it was just um, a wonderful relationship. It has affected my life, has affected my family's life. Um, my husband, my sons, God is good to us. Um, even my sisters, their families, um, my business, our finances, it's everything. You know, when you believe, when you have faith, and I know that I'm tired sometimes of praying for my son, but I know that God will work mm. and he will fulfill his promises. So I'm in a good place. And a wonderful place. And even though the original members of New Life are not there, I still feel like I have a family. Um, I just, I go to church not because of the members. I go to church because I want to seek God. I want to get stronger in my faith and grow in my faith. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.